What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back. Today's episode is going to be brought to you by Mystery Ranch, built for the mission. What do they make, you might ask? Well, they make arguably the most comfortable and well-built and most kick-ass fireline pack in the game. So if you guys aren't rocking one of those, I highly suggest you hit up your overhead and order a couple of them. But other than that, they make a ton of other load-bearing essentials for your missions, whatever mission you may have, whether that's hunting, backpacking, climbing, skiing, snowboarding. Hell, if you guys want to backpack across Europe, they make a solution for you. They even make briefcases. Actually, I just got my hands on one of them and they are top notch. They are badass. And the cool thing is, well, a portion of the proceeds from those uh, select packs and this sweet ass briefcase that I got are going to go back into the 1039 scholarship fund and help facilitate some scholarships for you folks in the field that want to go back to school and get some education under your belt. So it's a cool program. Look for that dropping soon. Also be on the heads up for the backbone series. What is that? Well, it is basically kind of predicated off of how the backbone of the wildland firefighting service in North America is based off of the seasonal employee which is pretty cool. It's going to highlight some of our trials and tribulations out there in the field. And it's going to highlight some uh, select seasonal employees and some of those leadership positions as well. Some of those perm employees and people that are in the game, out of the game, retirees. It's going to be freaking dope, but I'm looking forward to it because it's going to educate the public as far as what we do. And it's going to give a little bit of insight to you guys and some of the other things that we do in the field. So look for that coming down the road. And if you guys want to find out more, go over to www.mysteryranch.com and check them out. The Anchor Point Podcast is also brought to you by our premier coffee sponsor. Who is that you might ask? Well, it is none other than Hotshot Brewery. They make kick-ass coffee for a kick-ass cause where a portion of the proceeds will always go back to the Wildland Firefighter Foundation. But besides kick-ass coffee for kick-ass causes, they make a full line of apparel and a full line of the tools of the trade to get your morning started off right, whether that be an AeroPress or Camp Cups or Hell, if you guys need uh, one of those pour over systems for those early mornings making coffee on the side of your buggy, well, they have solutions for you. But they also support us by slinging our merch. So if you guys want to get one of those Fire Fiend t-shirts or one of these Band Brothers t-shirts or sweatshirts, well, now's your chance. Head over to www.hotshotbrewing.com and check out their full line of everything they make, coffee, apparel, and those tools of the trade. And once again, that is www.hotshotbrewing.com. Check them out. The Anchor Point Podcast would like to take a little bit of time out of your day to raise a little awareness, a PSA of sorts. What kind of awareness are we raising here? Well, it's the problem of people defecating on the surface and not burying their poop on public lands. It is disgusting. It is gross. I don't know about you guys, but I've been out doing a trail run or hiking in the woods or camping with my buddies, hell, even hunting. And I've come across a nice fresh pile of human feces that's been gift wrapped in toilet paper. Ugh, it frustrates me. It's disgusting. And this problem needs to stop. But lucky for you, there's a campaign out there that'll help raise awareness for this tissue issue. Our good buddy booze, Mr. Booze and fire. I'm sure you've seen him run around on the old Instagram. He started a campaign called the ass movement. What is it? Well, it is the anti-surface shitting movement and you can help go over to 
www.thefirewild.com and check out the ass movement. Get yourself some stickers. Place them wherever you need to, wherever there happens to be a problem with this tissue issue on public lands. It's a funny name, but he's serious about being a a true steward to the land. So once again, go over to www.thefirewild.com and check out the ass movement. And last but not least, the Anchor Point Podcast is going to be brought to you by the Smoky Generation, also known as the American Wildfire Experience. And it is awesome. I don't know if you guys have checked it out yet, but I highly, highly, highly recommend that you guys go check it out. Basically, what it is, is a digital catalog, an archive of sorts of wildland firefighting stories dating all the way back to the 1940s. It's pretty damn bitching. And there's over like a hundred of these things. So if you guys want to take a little bit of a trip back in time or a get a little history lesson, or you guys want to see current events in the field that are affecting us firefighters, well, go over to www.wildfireexperience.org and check it out. Bethany has a kick-ass organization over there and she's doing great for the community. She is also teamed up with Water Axe Pumps and Mystery Ranch to help facilitate some grants for you folks in the field. Uh, I know that the 2020 winners were just announced just recently, and uh, I just want to give a shout out to those folks that uh, applied and won those grants. Congratulations. Congratulations to you guys and girls. That is awesome. So I knew I do know that uh, they're going to be doing it again. It's going to be a recurring grant program. So if you guys want to find out more, go over to www.wildfireexperience.org and check them out. Bethany, thank you so much for what you do. It's awesome. The views and opinions of this podcast do not reflect the views and opinions of the United States government, the Department of the Interior, the Department of Defense, the Department of Agriculture, the United States Forest Service, the Bureau of Land Management, National Park Service, the Bureau of Indian Affairs, or any private, municipal, county, or state firefighting organization, any law enforcement agency, any medical provider, or any contractor employed by any federal agency. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Hope everybody's doing well. Hope everybody's staying safe, staying savage, and uh, hope everybody's getting some down there, especially in the uh, desert southwest. Looks like things are kind of getting pretty crazy down there, especially with the heat. Damn. 115, 117. I guess you guys are used to it, though. So anyways, looks like activity is kind of picking up across the nation. And uh, yeah, looks like uh, things are starting to move up from the southwest into region four, region five area. And uh, you know how it goes. It's going to continue up to the Pacific Northwest. So hope everybody's doing well. Anyways, today on the show, I've got my good friend, Trevor Larimer. He is on the Palouse Hand Crew, and today we're going to talk about the benefits of being on a Type 2 IA crew and how that's an excellent opportunity to develop some uh, skills and some uh, traits and habits to help set you up for success for going to a Type 1 crew or an IHC, a hotshot crew. But we also talk about the benefits of being and staying on that Type 2 IA crew, and it's pretty awesome. They got a lot of flexibility, although they aren't nationally funded. It's pretty rad. They got a good gig over there, so we're going to learn all about it today. So, without further ado, I'd like to introduce my good friend, Trevor Larimer from the Palouse Hand Crew. Welcome to the Anchor Point. (laughs) 
Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Anchor Point Podcast. I hope everybody's doing well. Today on the show, I've got my good friend Trevor Larimer from the Palouse Hand Crew. What's going on, dude? Oh, I was happy to be here, man. Appreciate the opportunity. Hell yeah, uh, dude. I love what you're doing. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, it's uh, it's turning into something pretty cool, man. And it's uh, I think it's definitely bringing the community together, and that's what my my goal is. So, yeah. Anyways, tell us about yourself, man. Oh uh, yeah. So Trevor Lammer, uh, started out in Northeastern Utah, worked on a fire use module. I know that's a bad word these days, so we can call it wildland fire module. Um, and then, uh, yeah, worked on a little module in Southern Utah for a year and finally got my shot and went to Smoky Bear Hot Shots for five years. Went down there with, uh, Rich Dolphin and, uh, Bo Jarvis cracking the whip and, uh, JJ Rue, who is a friend of the show. Yeah. JJ. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, now I'm working. Um, well, I went and did Hell Attack for a couple of years, got some calls, and now I'm working as a squad boss on the Blue Sand Crew. It's a Type 2 IA crew out of uh, the Nesper's Clearwater up in Region 1. And uh, it's going great, man. Just got back from our first fire. so Nice, man. You guys get uh, starting to pick up. I understand you had a, a lot of rain this year, especially like early in the season. Oh, dude, it rains all the time here, man. Yeah. Rain, rain, rain's, rain's nothing here. But. It doesn't mean a thing, man. So you guys started to pick yeah, up though, starting to get uh, into the flow of things. Yeah, no, I mean, with COVID, you know, it's obviously been a, a interesting start to say the least to the season. Um, but yeah, we got down to a Las Vegas district, um, got on a fire up there. Um, were you guys on the mahogany? Outside, uh, no, we were outside of Pahrump. We were on a, a little fire that was supported by the mahogany kind of, but uh it was mostly just a hike in you know with all our gear oh nice so, was it kind of one of those like uh situations where you get on the uh borrow loan steal kind of program from one fire camp and start managing other fires one of those things yeah yeah it was one of those things where like we needed a helicopter to backhaul uh trash you know and they're like oh we forgot about you guys <laughs> yeah, yeah we, we, we still need that <laughs> oh yeah you guys are out there still yeah, how's the heat and perump well Oh, dude, it was hot. It was the elevation that killed everyone, man. Because, I mean, we were like the hike in was like 1,700 feet elevation gain over like 1.2 miles. Yikes. Just stale rock and just a dirty burn. But uh, it was really uh, it was really good experience, especially for the younger guys, you know, because you get to teach those things that you can't really teach in critical training. You know, like how do you teach someone how to mop up a log? especially dry mopping, man. That's like shit that yeah. you have to experience for yourself and kind of figure out what's working best for you. Yeah. So, uh, it, it was fun, man. Uh, yeah. Good attitudes, all smiles in the day. And, uh, yeah, we killed it, man. Really proud of the crew. Nice. Especially younger guys. So hell yeah, man. So now I understand that you're the type two IA crew right now, and you guys are kind of going for your type one status right now. Dude, what's that like? Give us a breakdown. Well, it's tough. I mean, like I said before, obviously COVID just kind of threw a wrench into everything. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, like when you think type one, the first thing you think of is quals, right? Yeah. That's what I think of. So, yeah. So we, we have the quals, um, all our overhead or all experience, you know, hot shots. I mean, we have a, our assistant, like, uh, slid out of helicopters. Um, so we have the quals and it's just a matter of, figuring out like how to work it with like the forest leadership team, you know, and there's some pushback, but I mean, it's a, uh, it's not as easy as people think, you know, it's not just like you get someone to certify you and you're type one, you know? No, it's not never I that mean, simple. No, I mean, but there's like, you know, like how close are you in airport? Can you support uh, a type one crew? Like how's your housing? Like where are people going to live? 
you know, stuff like that. Um, so we're working through it. Um, but, uh, we're really happy with our program where it's at, you know? So nice. So like go into a little bit more details. I mean, do you, I mean, I'm sure you're, you're in it right now. So you're trying to like kind of feel the waters as far as going type type one status. And there's all these little things that we don't ever think about. Right. Cause everybody thinks you're yeah, like, Oh absolutely. yeah, you go out and get certified. You have to do this X, Y, and Z and all this stuff. And, but there's a lot of like little nuances that no one ever thinks about. Could you like enlighten everybody else? Like what's going on there? Yeah. I mean like, like one thing, uh, as far as the type two A crew goes, I mean, if you want to be certified type one, you can only have 20% of the crew can be first year firefighters. So when you're on a type two A crew, we obviously, we have some new guys and they're all great. But at the same time, like we're pushing that envelope with like the experience level. Yeah, and people think about that or, and like, like I said, like how close are we to an airport? Yeah. How fast can we get there? Well, yeah, that's another thing too, uh, is like you guys get a resource order to Alaska. It's like, well, shit, do you guys got to drive all the way to the rack and like in Redmond to fly out or? I mean, for us, like the closest airport would be uh, Lewiston, Idaho. Okay. I think it's the, it's the closest commercial airport, which is about an hour, which isn't out of touch for, you know, being a type one crew and being able to get mobilized. Um, but uh, even with all the type one stuff, I mean, there's still something to be said for being a quality type two IA crew. Oh yeah. I mean, like we, we pride ourselves on that and we work really hard to build a program that gets people where they want to be. Well, that's another thing too. There's like this trade-off too. Uh, I think that happens with type one crews versus type two IA crews. Um, I think it's sometimes, I mean, it's more, I mean, yeah, there's that, the type one status, which is badass, right? Which is cool. You guys are hot shots. You guys are, you know, you have all these quals, you have these capabilities that not a lot of other crews have, you know, but when you're a type two IA crew with a quality crew, sometimes it's, and arguably better. You have more freedom, yeah. more, more ability to, you have more mobility to do other things. Uh, I, I guess, I mean, I don't know. There's like this trade off, I guess you could say, what do you think? I mean, no, I agree. I, I think the type two angle is great, especially for getting calls. I mean, like getting like some of our folks that are ready, like for their firefighter one to get signed off, you know, I mean, you go to a shot crew, if your task book's not punched, you're going to be waiting in a long line. Oh, yeah. In most cases, I mean, every crew is different, but in my experience, it's like, if you're not firefighter one, when you get there, you're going to be sitting in line behind a lot of people, rightfully so, you know, yeah. I'll go, I'll go by seniority, you know, but, um, so yeah, that's our, that's our big uh, struggle right now is like, do we want to be type one or do we want to be a really good type two IA crew that gets these folks to the point where they're ready to be quality hotshots, quality firefighters, you know? Yeah. And that's another thing too, that should be said about, uh, type two IA crews is that it's a great developmental thing, man. It's yeah, it's awesome. No, it, it really is. And this is my first year, uh, with, uh, with Palouse. And I'm telling you right now, like we run a type program, you know, we, we, we put all the effort into all of our folks, you know, we give them all the training, give them all the tools. Uh, and, uh, it's really fun to, uh, like watch people develop as they, as they do like with fire, you know, like from first year firefighters to people that have been in fire for a few years. I mean, it's a, it's a really fun experience to kind of 
be able to be in a position to like lead these kind of folks, these people that are really hungry to be into fire for their, their career, you know? So, yeah. And that's another thing too, man. It's like, if, um, you go to a type two IA crew and you want to like try your shot at the hotshot life, man, it's, uh, that's definitely a good place to start as well, but vice versa, you know, you might get accustomed to that lifestyle where you have those opportunities. You don't have that very rigid hierarchy of the type one crew, you know, this hotshot crew. Well, that, that all depends on the crew. I mean, like as far as our program goes, like after being a hotshot for a number of years, I can tell you right now that there is no different, there's no difference between the way that we run our crew aside from the hotshot crews that I've been a part of. I mean, we expect nothing but the best. I mean, our crew motto is we set the standard above the expectation. Yeah. So. And speaking of your crew motto, you guys have your crew slogan as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's, it's a, I'm, I'm going to butcher it, but it's a, a super own big I don't speak Latin, but <laughs> it's good enough, man. So what does that translate to? Uh, we set the standard beyond expectation. Oh, literally. That's so what you just said. That's what that means mm-hmm. in line. No, that's good, man. So that's cool. I think that it's, it's really important to have like a motto or crew colors that, that crew dynamic, man. Cause like, you guys have a tradition. You keep carrying on those traditions. It builds more cohesion. There's like a history behind it. Well, yeah, that, that's where you get that buy-in, you know? I mean, cause if there's, if there's no buy-in, like you're not going to be able to build a good program. Oh no. So like, like as far as like from the top to the bottom, like if you're not bought into the program, the program's not going to get better. But if you buy in and you know that this program is doing everything it can for you as a firefighter and as a person for that matter, I mean, you're, you're going to appreciate it more. You're going to want to do a better job. And that's, that's our big thing. Oh yeah. Well, it's that whole buy-in, man. It creates cohesion. It's, it's that suffer culture. Actually. Uh, I was reading, uh, what is that tribe by Sebastian Younger? You ever heard of that? Oh my God. I love that. Sebastian Younger is my favorite author. Have you ever read fire? No, he makes a book about fire too. Is it literally about wildland or is it about just like the socio kind of dynamics of firefighting? I mean, it, it's a, uh, it's a collection of essays written about different dangerous jobs, but one of them is about wildfire. No shit. And, I gotta uh, pick that up. Yeah. yeah. You should check it out, man. Yeah. I just finished tribe the other day, man. And, uh, there's a lot to be said about that, man, but the, the culture, the buy-in and that tribe you're creating and fostering that, that cohesion, man. I think that's deeply important for a, for a crew. Oh, no, it is. Absolutely. I mean, and, uh, I'm one thing that I'm really impressed with about, uh, our crew in particular is like their cohesion as, um, as seasonals, like they hang out together. They do do everything together. You know, it's, it's really fun to see, like, you know, we're off for the weekend and they're like, Oh yeah, we all went and played volleyball all weekend together. And I'm like, Oh, that's awesome, man. Like you guys are actually hanging out with each other. It's like when I was on the bears, like we didn't, hang out with each other that much off the clock. Like, <laughs> Oh yeah, dude. Well, that's another thing too, is like, if you have opportunity to like, I mean, the area that you're in is pretty, it's, it's more of a rural area. So there's not a lot of opportunity to go out and like go to the bars and get in trouble, you know, which is a good yeah. thing, but it also has a consequence of bringing people more together. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, yeah. And it's cool to see that, you know, Oh yeah. Well, that's a cool thing, man. It was like, what else do you guys do, uh, for bringing the crew together? What other kind of traditions do you guys have? Um, I mean, tradition wise, 
we just, uh, I mean, we expect the best out of everybody. You know, we, we want that buy-in. We want that try hard. We want that, we want that heart. Yeah. You know, we want, we want people to go that extra mile, do the things maybe they don't have to do to help this crew be better. You know, and, and we hold everyone to a higher standard. I mean, overhead included, you know, we're all, we're all accountable for uh, what we do as a crew on the fire line, off the fire line. I mean, and uh, tradition wise, I don't know, just work hard and do what you're told. <laughs> That's another thing too, but it sounds a, a lot like I've seen this more and more. It sounds a lot like uh, your crew dynamic has changed that more of like a new school dynamic where it's not necessarily shut up and dig, but it's like, Hey, if you guys see something, say something, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, and that's the, uh, that's the climate these days, you know, see something, say something for sure. Um, but really like this crew made a big turnaround when our current soup, uh, took over a few years ago. And I mean, uh, I can't really speak to it specifically, but I know that like the crew was kind of on the downturn and our new soup took over and he took this program and he said, I'm going to build this program into what it needs to be. And it's, it's been awesome. It's a really fun thing to be a part of, you know, especially pushing for that, for that type one status. That's intense, man. That's a, that's a hard thing to do too. It's like something that you can hang your hat on bringing yourself from a type two IA crew all the way to type one. I mean, yeah, is it one step in the, in the qualifications realm? Yeah. But there's a lot that goes into that. Oh no, yeah, there absolutely is. Um, yeah, but at the same time, like, I mean, like I said before, like it's it's really interesting and fun to be a part of a crew like this where we're, we're making moves. And I mean, on one hand, it kind of sucks because we want retention. You know, we want to keep our good folks. But at the same time, our good folks are those folks that are ready to go on to hotshot crews and stuff. So. Yeah, man, that's that's another thing, too, is like with that status, too, is you have to kind of expect that in a way, I guess. I mean, mm-hmm. I, well, yeah. I mean, everybody's going to move on. Don't get me wrong here. You don't go to a type two crew to just either stay there forever. You may, or you may use it as a stepping stone. That's always what it is, man. That's with any crew though. It doesn't matter if you're type two hot shot, a hell attack or an engine, man, you have that opportunity and those experiences that you gain on that particular crew before you move on to the next big thing in your life. That's going to make you a better firefighter, man. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, being on a quality type two IA crew before you go to a shot crew is going to really like instill those values in you as a firefighter, you know, like leadership, attention to detail, chain of command, you know, those things that are kind of become inherent in your brain as a firefighter. I mean, like those are the really important things I think that make people great firefighters. I mean, there's a big difference between someone that like was on an engine for a couple of years and then went to a hotshot crew besides someone that was on a quality type two IA crew. And then they go to a hotshot crew and it's like, okay, these guys already get it. You yeah. Know? Well, they're already dialed and plugged in and ready to go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, so. man. No, that's cool though. It's, it's uh, an interesting perspective to see how that all plays out and uh, like developing a crew and building, rebuilding, restructuring a crew. That's that's intense too, man. It takes a lot of work, especially from the overhead. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, you're talking about work. I mean, you should have seen how many risk assessments and trade-off analysis we had to write for COVID this year. Oh, but, man. <laughs> was it pretty gnarly? 
Oh man. Yeah. It was, I mean, region one takes it real serious. So, so I've heard. Yeah. I mean, what are you guys doing? Speaking of COVID mitigations, what are you guys doing for that? I mean, can you talk about it without getting your ass in a crack with uncle Sam? Oh yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, uh, we, we worked really hard to write trade-off analysis, uh, risk assessments to, you know, like, uh, going to gas stations and getting fuel and how we're going to work that. And, you know, we got everybody masks, uh, for travel and, um, but yeah, when it comes down to it, like it, it's hard to it's hard to configure like how all that stuff's gonna work because once the rubber hits the dirt, I mean we're just firefighters, right? Yeah. Well, it's game on. So, then. You know, you have a mission. You have to go put out the fire. Yeah. I mean, and, and uh, some people take it more seriously than others, for sure. But uh, you know, we do the best we can to present ourselves in a way that shows that we're doing our best to take care of what we have to take care of. I gotcha. I mean, that's another thing too, is I kind of realize with like the GP, the general public is this COVID thing, man. It is like one of the most polarizing things that I've ever seen. Oh yeah. No, it's, it's, it's insane. And, and we, we told our, we told all our folks before we left for this first fire, cause we were driving all the way to Nevada and I'm like, Hey, wear your mask in the gas station. Because if one person from the public that has a bad seed in their heart sees Toulouse hand crew on your shirt, they're going to go online and say, this guy from Toulouse wasn't wearing his mask in public. Oh yeah. Well, there's consequences to that though, too. I mean, especially in at least my local community, you have your two camps, right? You got either a, this is a gigantic hoax and this is the government conspiracy to control us all. Or you got the people that think that this whole COVID thing is a death sentence. So where's the in-between? You know, I mean, it's like we can we can take mitigations to do this. That's what we do as firefighters, right? We constantly mitigate risk. We try and get yeah. the best of both worlds. You know, and, and we do. And like, I don't, I don't want this whole thing to get bogged down by COVID talk because I, God knows, everybody's tired of hearing about COVID talk, dude. Yeah, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, we're doing what we have to do, and you know, trying to keep ourselves and the public safe while we're you know, out on assignment and moving around the country. So, uh, so far so good. Nah. Yeah. Well, it's a good thing. because we're problem solvers and we figure shit out pretty quick. So we'll figure it out and keep everybody safe. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It takes a team, man. So tell me a little bit about your local area, man. I know you got a lot of crazy stuff going on up there. You got some pretty bitching hot springs. You got some events that you'd like to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, uh, uh, region one is a new thing for me. My wife, uh, my wife actually worked in priest Lake, which is way North of us from where we're at now. And that's the whole reason we ended up here. Um, but yeah, no, it's beautiful, man. It's really cool. I've learned more about, uh, civil culture, uh, in two weeks of being here than I had my whole career. I mean, logging is huge here, like taking care of trees is huge here. Um, and it's a really fun really fun area to be a part of, um, you know, right next door to Montana. Uh, and yeah, we got tons of hot springs. I don't want to say the names cause you know, we like to go there. So I'm not trying to, uh, make sure there's 10, 10,000 people there when we go there next weekend, but can't give away the local hot spots, man. That's, oh, that's no, like man. sacred. Secret, dude. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like sacred to the uh, people there, man. It's uh yeah, that's their thing. Uh, but no, it's, it's great, man. It's a, it's definitely a new experience, uh, being up here in region one. Nice. Um, yeah, great folks, you know, great people. Um, and, uh, yeah, no complaints. Nice, man. So civil culture, right? That's one thing that I'm not well versed in. I did spend three years up in Oregon 
And uh, I thought that tree marking, which is not silver culture, of course, but tree marking, <laughs> I thought it was like the worst thing ever because you're out there and it's just pissing rain. It's windy. It's cold. And you're out there with a can of spray paint trying to mark a tree. I hated it. But civil culture, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a little bit different. Yeah, no, it's different. And like, I mean, I'm, I'm not smart enough to understand it at all. I mean, we got we got some uh, some college kids on the crew that know way more about it than I do. Uh, you know, as far as I've been in my career, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's a tree. It's a nice tree. Yeah, Ponderosa. Cool. Recognize it. You know, <laughs> you go up here and it's like, it's like, oh, it's a, this is Doug for it's a white pine. And, you know, this is a whatever pine. I mean, I sound like an idiot right now, but I can really just don't understand it at all. But it's fun being a part of it. You know, it's cool how much they uh, how much they care about the forest and the health of the forest and trying to figure out ways to mitigate like beetle kill and things like that. It's really interesting. It's really interesting. No, it's definitely cool, man. It shows that the guys and and girls, uh, guys and girls on your crew are really involved in what they do and they kind of they do believe in that mission. You know, it's uh, for sure being stewards of the land. Well, I mean, that's what we do, right? We're protecting the land and serving the people. Oh yeah. Natural resources, man. That's what we're here to protect life, property and natural resources, right? Yeah. Yeah. And open campgrounds <laughs> and open so. campgrounds, dude. All right. So, <laughs> all right. I got, I got to ask the question, man. So what is the, what was the, the rainbow fest or what was it called? The rainbow gathering. Oh, the rainbow gathering. Yeah. What is this all about, man? Oh man. I don't know the super details on it. Um, but I know that they set up like a type three, uh, IMT to like manage this group of people that show up in their school buses and have this like, you know, love fest, uh, in different parts of the country. And I guess this year they chose to do it in the Nesclear. So, um, yeah, my wife keeps me updated cause she's in dispatch and, um, yeah, it's pretty funny. Actually, we went to some hot springs uh, a couple weeks ago and, uh, we ran into some, like some weird people and we we're like hiking in on the trail and we're like, Oh, those people were kind of off, you know, like, Oh, what, what, what their deal is. And we get back home and she goes to work and she's like, Oh, those are rainbow people like scouting out like the best place to do the rainbow gathering. And we're like, Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> so basically it's, it's like a, uh, a, a, a deadhead festival, like a hippie, hippie convention kind of. Yeah, I know. It, it's, it's a Grateful Dead concert without the Grateful Dead. <laughs> I see the spirit of Jerry Garcia lives on. Rip. Oh man. So what about the hunting? Are you a hunter, fisher or anything like that? Like what's, what's that game like up there? Uh, I know fishing's big. Hunting's big. It's not New Mexico elk, you know, but, uh, yeah, a lot of fishing. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's definitely not the same. Like people glued to their phones, hoping they get that all tag pulled like it was when I was in New Mexico, you know, like we basically would like be unavailable for two days until everybody like found out if they got their tag or not. Like <laughs> they're just sitting there watching the computer hit and refresh and see if they got yeah, their tag. Yeah, exa- exactly. Exactly. Dude, that's they're how like, I was. Like, they're like putting their wives and their like children in for like, you know, cow tags. <laughs> <laughs> I put in for bull elk, cow elk, uh, mule deer, a depredation hunt and a, uh, like the, the dream hunt and whatever it is called the, the, I think the once in a lifetime. Yeah. Once in a lifetime, it's like the governor's tag, but just it's a random lottery. It's like five bucks, right? I forget what it's called. It's partners in wildlife, the PID hunt, uh, part, oh, PIW okay, yeah. hunt. So partners in wildlife hunt. And, uh, I got skunked on every single one of them, dude. It sucked. Ah, oh, man. What can you do? I would say, I feel you. I, I, I don't hunt cause I, I can't afford another expensive hobby. I mean, I got rock climbing, mountain biking, you know, all the other expensive stuff. 
So. It's all very expensive stuff. It's like it's almost as bad as cars, man. Oh, dude, don't get started. Yeah, dude, I was like Josh Simmons, uh, one of the, my more recent guests. He was telling me how he's into uh, like rock crawlers and four by four and stuff like that. I'm like, dude, how the hell do you exp- how do you afford to do all this stuff on a government salary, man? He's like, I don't know, man. <laughs> 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 oh man uh but yeah no um but yeah no it's fun man it's it's a beautiful place up here we're right on the lewis and clark trail which is cool yeah that's pretty cool i mean like that's another thing too is like this is an opportunity to sell your crew to other people or to like people that are looking to move up as well and like what do you think is the most uh admirable portion of being up there in the uh nez pierce clearwater um i mean as far as the crew goes I, I just, I really, I have a lot of faith in the program and a lot of pride in it. Um, and I know that all the overhead feels the same way. Um, we're looking to build something serious. I mean, we PT hard. We don't play around when it comes to, you know, keeping your stuff tight, like being on time, being where you're supposed to be doing what you're supposed to do. Um, you know, we don't pull punches. And, uh, I think it's really important because, uh, there's a big difference between a type two, a dedicated type two A crew and a type two crew. And, uh, we even on this last fire, we ha- I had a guy on my crew. He was his first year firefighter. And, uh, he's like, oh yeah, I was up there filling up the bladder bag. And those guys were just sitting around and I'm telling him, I'm like, see, that's the difference between them and us. Oh yeah. Well, that's the thing too, yeah. is that it takes strong leadership as well, you know, uh, and that, that leadership goes both ways. Just like you're saying, man, you're learning about civiculture from some college people that is college kids that are on your crew. Right. So oh, yeah, you can, absolutely. you can learn both ways, but those lessons that you pa- like pass down to your newer firefighters, that's, that's critical, man. Cause that's going to develop your future. No, it is. And, 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 uh, we're lucky because we have a really good bunch and they see it, you know, and they, they have that buy-in like they're into it. I mean, we have one kid that's like thinking about not going back to school this winter when it starts because he wants to stay on the crew and gets fire experience. He just wants to ride it out for those, uh, August, September months. Yeah, no, he's, he's, uh, he's more excited about, uh, you know, being down for the cause than he is about going back to school. That's that's a lot of dedication, man. So you guys must be doing right to give up something like that because it's a, that opportunity runs both ways. Of course, there's like a trade-off you have to make there. So if he's putting off college to, you know, pursue his passion of what's he want, what, what he's wanting to do, that means you guys must be doing something right. Oh, I mean, he's, he got his, he got his taste of fire, you know, he and now he's bug. soaked on it. He got the bug, you know? Um, and I'm not saying there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with going to college. I should have went to college. I mean, I'm the poster child of the college hotshot shirt, hotshot brewery. You're yeah. literally wearing the shirt right now. <laughs> oh shit! Yeah, I know my wife hates it. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, no. So it's a uh, it's fun to be a part of a program like this, and uh, yeah, we do really well at uh, getting people ready to where they want to be. No, it's a good thing because a lot of people will notice that the fire community is very very small, and I, I preach this so much, man. The fire community is small and networking is your best friend. I mean, like nobody hears about all the good things you did, but everybody knows about that one thing you did that, you know, you fucked up, you flooded a hotel room, whatever happened. Like everybody hears about that, but nobody hears about all the good things you did. Oh, very true, man. 
but I mean, yeah. Do you have any experience about how fall, how, how small a fire community is the fire community is actually? Oh yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, I mean, anytime I'm on a fire, I can basically run into anybody and I guarantee you in seven questions, we know somebody. Oh yeah. Uh, like we both know the same person from somewhere. Oh, it's just I mean, like you and me and JJ, dude. We haven't met each other ever until today, pretty much. And it's like, oh yeah, we knew JJ. Uh, oh, JJ. Yeah, yeah. Oh, JJ. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, dude, that guy's rad. Um, I kind of want to like start a series, which I think would be hella funny. Uh, WW. I'm telling you, start start the what would JJ do? Yeah, dude. The at what the would end, JJ at end, do? At the end of every podcast, just have JJ answer a listener question. Once a podcast, dude. <laughs> what would JJ do? I like it, man. I think it should be a thing. I mean, he, I, I love that guy. He's one of my mentors in fire. And I'm telling you right now, nobody looks at a burn like he does. He's kind of like one of those I mean, beautiful, he turns into like one of those beautiful mind kind of people. When he's, he's a beautiful doing. mind, man. He, he's five steps ahead of any burn. Like as soon as you put fire on the ground, he knows it's going to happen in five hours. Oh man. Yeah. That's, that's a good mentor though. That's another thing too, is like solid mentorship from people like that. People like JJ, dude, that's, that's priceless, man. Cause those are like life lessons that you'll carry on for the rest of your fire career and potentially the rest of your life. Cause a lot of these things that we learn in fire, we carry over to just average everyday life, man. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not trying to stroke him either. Like he's just, he's really a great firefighter. No, he's a good um, dude. Yeah, I know. I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. No, that guy's hilarious, man. So your experience in region three though, I mean, how'd that set you up for working in the, uh, Nez, Nez Pierce Clearwater? Well, it really didn't. <laughs> no, nothing, huh? <laughs> I mean, region three, like if you want to be a hot shot, region three is a place to go. You get those out East rolls early in the season and then you just follow fire season from the Southwest all the way up to Washington. Yeah. Yeah. You know, every year. Um, so I always try to encourage folks to get on region three shot crews because that's going to give you the broadest experience. Gotta just travel the fire behavior, like the drying out pattern up to the Pacific Northwest. You start out in the Southwest, yeah. which usually applies. Yeah, and, and, and then you're, and then you're done, you know, middle of September and you still have a couple of weeks of good weather to go hang out at the lake or whatever. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, sounds kind of nice to me, man. I mean, uh, you guys obviously have the opportunity to roll down to, uh, California as well during those late season fires as well. Oh yeah. Get, get some South offs in there. Oh yeah. Unless you kind of burn through all of your 1039 stuff. So but that's, that's <laughs> a different story. I'm not in finance or I don't, I don't write the rules either. <laughs> well, I know. I mean, I obviously don't either, but I mean, with COVID who knows what's going on with 1039s this year, like, we can just roll them into uh, December as far as I know. <laughs> That's another thing too, is like, I know that uh, I've heard about this too, is like a lot of people are moving away from like the buggy life due to COVID ironically. And they're kind of just getting six packs and stuff like that. To, uh, not, not a fan, man. Not, not a, a fan. fan. No. I mean, if you've been on a, on a shot crew, like the buggy, that's your home away from home. Oh yeah. Like it, end of the day, you, you sit down in your seat, you got your little cubby with your stuff in it. You got your cell phone charger. You put the headphones in, you, you, you black out. You time travel. Like you time travel for a little bit. You know I mean? I, I couldn't imagine being a shot without having a buggy. Yeah, and I, I think, I think crews are getting away from that. Cause like they just can't find people that want to get CDLs. And that's the thing, man. It's like getting a CDL. That was like one of the, 
one of the best things that I've ever done for my fire career is getting my, my commercial driver's license. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I did it. I'm not that smart. So, no, I mean, it doesn't take a rocket (laughs) surgeon how to, you know, to figure out how to parallel park a a fire engine or a hotshot buggy. But But yeah, man. Yeah, I know. I I have a hard time with that. I've ran into a couple of crews that got rid of buggies. They said they like it, but I just, I don't know, man. I don't know. Kind of, uh, got your, uh, doubts about that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, imagine being a first year hotshot, you know, what's better than hopping in the back of the buggy or hopping out of the back of the buggy. Just make sure you get the trash. Rolling up. Yeah. Okay. Throwing out the piss jokes, whatever, you know, Oh man. rolling up on a fire with that, you know, whatever hotshot crew on the side of the buggy. I mean, that's, there's a lot of pride in that, you know? Oh man. Oh dude. Speaking of hotshot buggies, like if you guys try, you guys try to run the gauntlet. What's a gauntlet? Oh, I don't know if I should say this on there, but try and run in somebody else's buggy. Running run someone else's buggy? Yeah, while they're in it. The Never whole, heard of that. All right, so we had this stupid game that we used to play when uh, I was on the Hotshot Crew, and uh, it was called Running the Gauntlet, right? And it's either if your homies with like some crews. Like, cause I wouldn't recommend doing this to like some random hotshot crew, but the idea is to bail out of your buggy, go over to the other, other buggy while everybody's in it and touch the headboard without getting too messed up. <laughs> uh, don't, don't try that with JJ. <laughs> Dude, it's, it tends to get a little violent. <laughs> yeah, no, it's funny. We, uh, we were looking at maybe going down to R3 for, uh, for a resource order. And uh, my soup's like, you want to, you're going to tag a blue sticker in the Smoky Bear uh, gym? And I was like, hell no. Oh, buddy. <laughs> Starting a <Hell> war. no. <laughs> that's a little things though. That's like, that's, that's a little things that bring us together though, as firefighters. It's like stupid little games like the gauntlet or tagging somebody else's sticker on, on, in their base, you know, hell attack yeah, crews no, do it. Sure. Engine crews do it. Hotshot crews do it. Smoke jumpers especially do it. No, I love it, man. I mean, we're, we're all a community, right? You know, no matter what we do, you're a smoke jumper, engine, hotshot, type 2IA, whatever. You know, we're all a community. Oh, yeah. Man. Really operate each other. Um, I mean, we just went through the week of remembrance, you know, wild, what was it? Wildland firefighter week of remembrance. Mm-hmm. That was I mean, last week. I mean, like, that's, that's the thing I uh, asked the new guys. I'm like, do you know where you were when you found out about Granite Mountain? Like, we have kids on my crew that, we're born that year. Oh know? my like, God. That's God. That makes me feel old. <laughs> yeah, no, me too. Uh, as soon as our assistant gets that, uh, equipment job, I'm going to be the oldest man on the crew. So I already told him not to call me grandpa. <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously they weren't born during that, you know, but, uh, yeah, that's one of those things. It's like those moments of like we always we always remember the shitty things and like the events that kind of define us as firefighters. And that was one of them, man. I'll never forget what fire I was on, what crew I was with, the utter cacophony of cell phones ringing and shit when when we got into camp and we had service, man. That's something I'll never forget. Oh man, I was uh, that was my first year on the Bears. We were on the uh on a fire out in uh on the Gila. God's country. Love it. Um, and we were spiked out with no service. So they flew us back into camp and my phone was blowing up. My mom's like, are you okay? Are you okay? Like everybody that 
cares about me. All they heard was a hotshot crew got smoked in Arizona. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh man, it was, yeah. And do a lot of text messages. Be like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm okay. It wasn't me. <laughs> yeah, dude. That was, that was gnarly. That was one of those, one of those experiences that I'll never, ever forget. Yeah. No. Yeah. Rest in peace. But yeah, man. But that's cool, man. It's like, you guys have the opportunity to kind of train and groom and develop that crew the way you guys see fit. And that's a rare opportunity because usually when you go into a crew, it's already established. You already got your thing. You already got your traditions, but to have the opportunity that you do, that's very unique, man. Yeah, no, it's, 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 it really is a lot of fun, man. And it's, it's super beneficial, especially for younger firefighters that want to be hot shots. I cannot recommend enough working on a quality type two IA crew. Just to get that that crew life mentality, you know, that work hard, that heart, that buy-in. I mean, those are the things that are going to make you a great firefighter, especially if you want to be a hotshot. Awesome. And I'm not going to say, like, hotshots are the end-all, be-all, best, you know, whatever. I mean, my first year as a hotshot, I was, well, I wasn't great, you know. <laughs> but, like, Neither was I. <laughs> I'm just glad there's not one of me on my crew, you know? <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing, man. Is like, we all got to learn those lessons. And that's the thing is you can't learn those lessons unless you've walked a mile in those shoes, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely, man. But it's also a good opportunity to develop your leadership as well. All right. So the hardest thing for me so far has been learning how to relate to people that aren't in fire for the long haul, you know? Because like me as a person... I love this job. This is the best job in the world. 100% hands down. I mean, I don't understand how anyone could want to do anything else. And we get folks that have different plans for their lives, and that's fine. Um, But as a leader, it's really hard to invest with, you know, in people that, like, don't want to do this forever or that don't understand how awesome this job is, you know? Uh. So that's been a fun uh, adventure for me. Yeah. Well, that's the thing too. It's like, you can't expect it. Like you can't put that burden on people to ex- like make them expect that they want to do this job forever and ever and ever, because honestly it's, it's a young man's sport and it's hard as the fuck. Let's, let's be honest here. It's hard. It, no, it, you it, off, it is. I mean, I mean, Rich Dolphin was 57 my first year on there. So well that's the thing though it takes a rare breed of human it takes a rare breed of individual to actually like get into this and do it like he did yeah i don't i'm not knocking it i mean i get it you know like i mean for like you know younger kids out there that want to just like get a taste and be part of it like absolutely 100 percent support you getting into fire and seeing if it's for you that's great you know but uh I guess it's more of a kind of right brain, left brain thing, you know, where like for me, like I can't imagine doing anything else. Yeah. Not everybody feels that way, you know? Well, that's the thing too, is like, you can't have that expectation to people, but I guarantee you that this job will impart life lessons on you. It'll mature you faster than anything else besides probably the military, man. Straight up. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I hate making that comparison to the military and fire because everybody does it. We all know that we derive our SOPs from the military and this is like domestic combat, but we're fighting mother nature. 
I hate that yeah, comparison, I mean, but we, it's we have, true. We have a couple of vets on our crew and like their whole thing is like, they love it because it's like, it's halfway between the military and civilian life. You know, there's still that chain of command, you know, there's still that order of duty, integrity, respect, all that stuff. But it's not like we own you forever. Yeah. You know? No, it's and true. I, I totally, I can totally identify with that. You know, it's, it's great. Well, yeah. Once you get deeper into the game and kind of like, I don't get some miles under your boots, I guess it, it kind of starts clicking is like, wow, this is my family. This is, this is my <laughs> life, dude. This is like my identity even, which is kind of hazardous, but I get it, dude. And like we were talking about Sebastian younger and his book tribe. Oh God, it's dude, so good. It's so good. so good. There's so many parallels to this job. And that's the thing, man, is this is our tribe. No, it really, it really is, man. I mean, like, down to the core, I mean, yeah, it is a very small fire world, right? And yeah, when it comes down to the core of who you are, like everybody respects everybody as a firefighter. I mean, like I've never worked with you, but I know that you know what I'm talking about when we go to work. Oh, yeah. I mean, and, that, and that's awesome, you know? It's a family, dude. That's the thing. It's 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 inexplainable. No, it really is. And that's why I sound like an idiot right now, probably, because I don't know how to explain it. But you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I got to get somebody who's a lot smarter than me on this show to explain that, kind of break it down. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, man, no, it's uh, it's fun being part of this world, you know. It is, man. And it's, it's a very unique experience. It matures you and it gives you those experiences to kind of carry on into the real the real world air quotes here. And uh, yeah, it just develops you as a human, man. It's cool. So do you say roll or roll like R O L E or R O L L? I say R O L L like we're rolling wheels down the, down the freeway, but I could see where it comes from R O L E. I say R O L E like we're, we're performing a role as a firefighting force. Yeah. Right. Oh, I, I get it. I see that. I see that point. Yeah, dude. It's like you're filling a role, right? You're you're filling in as the role of a squad boss or filling yeah, in exactly. the role of a helicopter manager or insert whatever title, division, whatever finance, <laughs> med unit leader. But yeah. Uh, that's funny. No, that's cool, man. I definitely appreciate this job and like everything. I mean, shit, I'm not even in fire anymore. And uh yeah, I still, I miss it to this day. I mean, I've only been out of it. This is the first summer I've had off in 11 years. And I still, like, I'm still a firefighter, like, at my heart. Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> I'll say some it, it cheesy never, it shit. Never leaves you. No, it never leaves you. I'll say even some cheesy shit right now. I'll be like, I identify as a firefighter. <laughs> 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 but it's true, man. Uh, I mean, yeah, dude, I, I do too. Like, the only problem with me is, like, I, I spend so much time doing it. Like, I'm not good at doing anything else now, so... And that's a hazardous thing. No, dude, that is straight up a hazardous thing right there because I feel like with my new job that I do now that I'm completely and wildly inept at my job. <laughs> like I, I, I mean, seriously I'll, have I'll, no I'll, clue. I'm going to sit through L2. I'm not going to sit through S two sixty. Yeah. To not do this job. <laughs> exactly. But it lear- it makes you learn how to suffer as well. That's, a, that's another good thing. So, I mean, if you could suffer through some of the shit that we see out there on the line, I mean, everyday life is just like, fuck, this is boring. 
I get it, man. I get it, man. I'm lucky to have a firefighter wife. So she gets it. Yeah. Which I know a lot of firefighters don't have that. So I can soundboard off her and she understands. So I'm lucky with that respect, but. And that's the thing, man, is like, we need to, I mean, addressing those stresses too, because when you're taken away from your community, especially in like the off season, when everybody gets laid off, everybody goes home, that adjustment period, I've been preaching this since day freaking one of this podcast, dude, that adjustment period from going 120 miles an hour on the line to practically freaking reverse. It's hard. Oh, it's dude. brutal. It's, it's hard. brutal. And that's what I try and stress to people, man, is like, Hey, communicate with each other, stay in touch with each other, talk to other firefighters, still be a part of that community, that tribe. I uh, obviously we're on a theme. Well, no, we, we, we got we to gotta support each other, you know, and that's the way it is. I mean, and I, I've heard it before. I mean, you're on a crew and like, guess what everybody's saying in, in the middle of September, I'm done. This is my last year. I'm out of here. Oh yeah. Two weeks later, you're drinking a beer and you're like, Oh man, remember that fire on the Gila? Oh shit. Remember that fire down in Arabella, down in New Mexico? You know, oh man, that was so fun, dude. Oh, fuck. I miss you, bro. I miss you guys. You know, I mean, it, it's the next progression. It is, man. But that's the thing is like, I, I really wish that uh, people would do more so to stay community, like stay in communication with each other and stay connected as that community of firefighters, especially in times that are, you know, difficult, like the winter. I, I think we do a good job of that as far as like supporting each other in the fire community. Um, I mean, there's not one person that I've ever worked with that I feel couldn't call me in the time of need or just call and say what's up, you know? And I, 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 call, I do my best to call them too. And, you know, how's it going? What you up to, you know? I mean, because, like, you work with people and then they get spread out all over the fire world. I mean, I got, like, one of my my best, one of the guys I was a saw team with, he's a jumper now, you know? And like, we still, we're still in touch, you know? Yeah. So, but I think as a community, we do a really good job of taking care of each other. Yeah, man. I mean, to a degree, I guess it's a, I guess it's different between every, um, district, every region. I, I yeah. they're all different. Everybody's got their, their own little unique kind of caveats to this whole situation. But, uh, I want to see more of it eventually not saying necessarily that we're lacking in that community. I just want to say more, see more of it. Yeah, no, it's it's a it's a fickle thing, you know. It is, it is, man. Trying to take care of each other, but all in all, I think we do a pretty good job mm-hmm. as an agency, as people, as people, definitely as yeah, people. I mean, if you if you do this job, to me, that says a lot about you as a person. Well, it Here shows. Is, well, know? yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, it shows integrity, if anything. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah we'll see where it goes man we'll see but uh yeah no it was a good discussion man i think uh yeah i think that you'll uh give jj a run for his money as far as downloads go i <laughs> <laughs> don't say that dude i don't need to get another fight with him oh geez <laughs> so i've heard jj i love you man i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> well shit man at the end of the show i'd like to give an opportunity for you to give a shout out to a homie hero mentor could be a couple oh, people. man, how, how much time do we have dude you want to talk about mentors <laughs> send it man fuck um i mean definitely steve yonke he's out there still climbing mountains uh one of my first mentors uh 
I mean, Bo Jarvis, Eric Kimbrell, John Crane, Levi Sanchez, all the overhead on the Bears that basically taught me how to earn my black, as they say. And, uh, yeah, my buddy Derek Stengel down in Arizona, just living the hard life on that volunteer engine, you know, doing all the stuff that the agency folks want to do. Um, and, uh, and you and your show, man. It's great. I really appreciate the opportunity to be on here. I hope it was uh, good <laughs> for <laughs> somebody good, out man. there. I don't know. <laughs> no, it was good. We talked a little bit. We, we talked a lot about, like, fire philosophy, and that's, like, my, my shit, dude. I love that stuff. Yeah, man. No, and uh, yeah, I mean, shout out to Hot Shot Brewery for making it happen. And uh, yeah, man, Devil's Ridge Hand Crew. My 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 uh, my buddy Max, little kid, first year in fire out there. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude! Well, went, cool. went, went to R six. I told him he wanted to get hard, go to R three, but he went to R six. So. <laughs> <laughs> dude, that's another thing too. Is like, dude, we we rip on each other so much too. It's firefighters. Oh, dude, it's the best, man. It's I mean, but you know, R three or get the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, hell, man, I, I appreciate it, and uh, yeah. Thanks again for uh, the opportunity, and uh, I hope that uh, anybody out there listening gets something out of it. And I'm uh, on social stuff for the most part. So yeah, dude, where can we find you? Uh, Trev DL on Instagram, and uh, that's about it. Actually, it's not all over the place like I thought it was, but <laughs> <laughs> Instagram's good enough, man. But yeah, dude, thanks for being on the show, man. I definitely appreciate it. And uh, yeah, we'll get you on again, man. All right, man. Sounds good. We'll talk to you later. Later, bro. All right, peace. All right, ladies and gentlemen, there we go. Another episode of the Anchor Point Podcast is in the books with my good buddy, Trevor Larimer. Dude, thank you so much for coming on the show. And uh, thanks for sharing a little bit of insight about the uh, Palouse hand crew, man. It sounds like you guys got a good thing going on. And uh, yeah, it's it's pretty cool, man. I hope you guys get your type one certification here. That's going to be a pretty tall order to do, uh, especially with the whole COVID thing. But being a type two IA crew, uh, you definitely got some advantages and you got a lot of, bit of, a lot of flexibility as far as getting those training opportunities. Not as uh, rigid and structured as the IHC life, but hey, it's also a good stepping stone in your career to jump to that hotshot life. So, dude, thank you so much for coming on the show. Definitely appreciate it. Uh, Special shout out to our sponsors, Hotshot Brewery. Hey, dude, I'm out of coffee, like serious. Mystery Ranch, arguably the best packs in the game. Always built for the mission, and I look forward to working with you guys on the Backbone series. It's going to be dope. And of course, the ass movement, dude. Thank you for spreading the word, man. Uh, I hope a lot more people get on board and start spreading awareness, especially with uh, all these people going to campsites, especially during COVID and uh, trashing them and pooping everywhere and leaving their crap everywhere and their trash. It's It's got to stop. But thank you for what you do, man. And last but not least, the Smoky Generation. Bethany, you have a kick-ass organization. I definitely appreciate what you guys are doing. So thank you so much to everybody else. Stay safe, stay savage. We'll get you on the next one. Peace.